You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Stick around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge. Thanks for tuning in. We're into our Lent season, and uh, current sermon series is called The Last Week. And we're going to look at the last week of Christ day by day by day. And today we are going to look at the Sunday, the last Sunday when Christ was on earth. If you're not familiar with Lent, it's, uh, it's an old tradition. And as a church, we try to connect these old practices, these practices that are centuries old to our modern world and just see how we can embrace them. Um, Lent is 40 plus days. It's 40 days of fasting, but then once a week you break the fast just to celebrate your God. And, uh, and so some people are fasting social media. Some people are fasting, uh, going to, uh, fast food. Others are, uh, fasting coffee or, or some other drink of choice And so this is just a time to be intentional in our focus and thinking about who Christ is and what his sacrifice, what his death, burial, and resurrection means for us. And during this season, we also also invite you to pray for your just one. So as we move towards Easter, we invite you to be thinking about, Lord, who, who would you have me to invite? Who do you want? Uh, for me to engage when it comes to my faith in you? Who's that one person or that one family that you're either going to invite to church service or you're going to invite to your house so that you can watch the services together? Who is that just one? So be thinking about that and we invite you to pray for that. Well, Well, let's get into this. Question we want you to wrestle with this morning what kinds of things are you hoping to see resurrected in your life this Lenten season? Could be restored relationship. It could be that you want to see someone reconnect with their faith. Maybe you're concerned about your personal health or someone else's personal health. Maybe you lost something that was valuable to you and you just want to see that restored. Or maybe you want to see your own spiritual health revitalized. What is it? What kinds of things are you hoping to see resurrected in your life this Lenten season? Last week, we were in Luke chapter 18, uh, the Pharisee and the tax collector. And we said that Jesus, for 10 chapters in Luke is moving towards Jerusalem, right? Just want to show you this map here. So he starts out in Galilee. And as he heads towards Jerusalem, Luke is capturing the story starting in Luke 9 through Luke 19. And and Jesus is telling the bulk of of his parables, at least the ones that Luke captures, during this transition, during this march, during this 
walk towards Israel, or I'm sorry, Jerusalem. And so he starts off at the top of the map there, uh, above number two, heads through Samaria. He's rejected in Samaria. Uh, he heals a blind man near Jericho, and then he meets Zacchaeus at the beginning of Luke 19. So last week we were in Luke 18. At the beginning of Luke 19, Jesus meets with a tax collector in Jericho. And then John records a story as Jesus continues towards Jerusalem, records a story of Lazarus being raised from the dead in Bethany. And that's found in John chapter 11. That story may be significant later. And now we're at the back end, the second half of Luke 19. And that's where we're going to find ourselves this week in this week's story. But we have to, for some context, we have to know what's going on. So this is the week of Passover. This is the preparation week for the greatest celebration within the Jewish religion year after year after year. This is their 4th of July. And people are going to travel from around the world and around Israel towards Jerusalem. And we're told by uh, Josephus that a million people will show up for this festive week. And so, well, someone else. We have to know that Pilate is going to head towards Jerusalem too, because when you have a million fiery people showing up to the capital of Israel, the town, the, the, the city that reminds you of all your greatest victories and your greatest losses. Well, then if you're the occupying force, you better show up. And so Pilate lives in Caesarea. In fact, they found uh, within the last, I don't know, a dozen years or so, uh, they found an inscription with Pilate's name on it in Caesarea. But he's going to head from Caesarea, which is, which is a city that is uh, one of Herod's wonders, one of the great cities that Herod builds, Herod the Great. And it is a magnificent city. It's dedicated to, to the Caesar, Caesar Augustus. And Pilate's going to travel south down to Jerusalem through the west. He's going to head towards Jerusalem and he's going to enter Jerusalem through the west gate. Pilate's going to show up on a white stallion that symbolizes military conquest. He's going to show up with a crowd. He's going to show up with his legions, his military force. There's going to be soldiers and trumpeters and banners and heralds and pronouncements of Rome's glory, of the glory of their Caesar. They're going to show up in force. And the message to the Jewish people is, don't you dare get out of line. 
we will squelch you. We will dominate you. We will kick you in the teeth. Don't you dare. And so we have to know that this is part of the picture. This is the Jerusalem that Jesus is entering into. And Pilate's going to find, uh, he's going to stay at Herod's palace in Jerusalem until the festivities die down. And so let's jump into Luke 19. When Christ approached Bethphage and Bethany near the mount that's called Olivet or the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples saying, go into the village ahead of you. As you enter, you'll find a colt tied in which no one yet has ever sat, untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away, uh, those who were sent went away and found it just as he told them. As they were untying the colt, the owners said to them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord has need of it. If we go back to our series graphic real quick, I talked about this graphic last week and, and I, it marvels me the way artists work. They could see the end before they start, right? Do we have any artists in the room? Just a couple, not really. Um, it, doesn't that amaze you? Like, like Michelangelo chipping away on David, like he sees that rock, I see the rock, he sees David in the midst of that rock. And the artist, like I could accidentally do something like this, but I'd probably wipe it away going, oh, that's, you know, I wouldn't even recognize as beautiful. And yet someone intends to do this, intends to have this picture look just like this. Jesus marching towards the cross knows exactly what it looks like. He knows every detail. The donkey is found just as he had told them. It's a little chiasm, by the way. It's a cute little chiasm. But it's a little chiasm. It's found just as he told them. In fact, we're going to see the same kind of language used on, oh, must be Thursday night for the Last Supper, where Jesus sends his crew into town and they find it just as he tells them. This is the person that we're talking about. He knows the beginning from the end. He was there when creation was created. All things were created by him and for him. He knows exactly what needs to happen and we need to pay attention to everything he does and that he says during this week, because there's not a stroke of his brush that's wasted. There's not a stroke of his chisel that's wasted. They found it just as he had told them. They brought it to Jesus and they threw their coats on the colt and put Jesus on it. 
As he was going, they were spreading their coats on the road. As soon as he was approaching near the descent of Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they've seen. And they were shouting, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. Now, I don't know why the Pharisees are trying to hush the crowd. It's either because they've seen Pilate coming in through the West Gate with his legions. And he's like, and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> quiet down, boys. Like, let's not stir up Rome. Like, Jesus looks good on that donkey, but you guys are not ready for the legions that just showed up to town before you. So it's either that, the Pharisees don't want to stir up Rome, or they're upset because they're connecting, the crowd is connecting Jesus as the coming Messiah, the Christ. It may be a mixture of both. They're praising God for the miracles that they have seen. Just prior to this, Lazarus is raised from the dead. The blind receive sight. Just down the road, down in Jericho. God is doing miraculous things. And they're celebrating their exodus. And they're wondering, they're wondering if they get another exodus. Their first exodus, God overthrew the most powerful nation in the world. Can you imagine hoping again for God to overthrow another most powerful nation in the world? What kind of glory would that bring to God, I'm sure they thought. John captures it this way. The people say, Hoshana, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. Now we read that word as Hosanna, and for us it's this, it's this celebratory word, but the original Hebrew is Hoshana, which literally means Save, please. Save, please. Because they are facing Rome. Let's take next slide. They're facing legions of Roman soldiers wherever they turn. Can you imagine living in your hometown and it's occupied by foreigners that are brutal, they're lawless, they don't celebrate your God, 
Can you imagine facing that? And they show up to your great celebration. What a pill that would be to swallow. They were desperate for someone to deal with Rome. See, Rome, Rome had this philosophy, and, and I've seen it presented a couple of different ways. Uh, it's tied to the Pax Romana, the, this 200-year uh, time of peace that predated it. It started 50 years before this moment in history, the moment that, that Christ enters into Jerusalem on his donkey, 200 years before, or 50 years before that, the peace of Rome starts. And, and they got there through this philosophy of, of piety, war, victory, peace. And that word piety can be inter- interchanged with religion. Piety, war, victory, peace. If we, if we just stay pious, if, if we... Stay true to our gods. And if, if we stay true to our gods and we wage war, God will, our gods will give us victory. And through that victory, we'll have peace. And yet there's this Messiah that says, my peace do I give to you, not as the world gives to you. My peace I give to you. And again, this is Passover week. Israel already faced the greatest nation of their time and was delivered. They had their exodus, but unfortunately they become like the nation's. They start acting like the nations. They, they don't want God as their king. They want their own king. And we know what happens with Saul. David is this iconic king, but his son can't, can't live with the same obedience to his God, and we see a decline quickly. And Israel looks like all the nations where they're worshiping multiple gods. They're sacrificing their kids on the hills. They become just as brutal to their neighbor. They don't care for the alien, orphan, and widow like God calls them to. And I think about our own history. Didn't those of us who came from Europe, didn't we have our own exodus for religious reasons? But aren't we strangely an awful lot like Rome in the way we deal with people, even the people of the land that we occupy today? And this is the backdrop for the triumphal entry. 
And the people, they're excited because they know their scriptures. They know Zechariah 9, 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. Israel wanted their king. Ho Shanah. Save, please. But was their idea of salvation God's idea of salvation? Was their idea of dealing with Rome God's idea of dealing with Rome? Because Zechariah goes on to say, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem and the bow of war will be cut off and he, Christ, will speak peace to the nations. Like even Rome? Yes, to the nations, even to Rome. And his dominion will be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. See, I think we got this problem because we love our leaders and our heroes to show up on white stallions. Don't we? Don't we prefer our leaders to show strength and might to have bigger and better weapons than the enemy? Like, isn't that, isn't that what we desire? Can we handle our leader, our hero, being humble, riding on a donkey, speaking peace? Is that the kind of kingdom that we want? Is that the kind of king that we want? Luke continues to record this. When he, Jesus, approached Jerusalem, he saw the city And he wept over it. He wept over it, saying, If you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace. But now they have been hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and around you and hem you in on every side. And they will level you to the ground and your children within you. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. Jesus says, you want peace, but you want it through military conquest. You want a Messiah That's going to kick Rome in the teeth. You want a Messiah that looks bigger and badder and buffer than Pilate. That's the Messiah that you want. Jesus had every intention to deal with Rome. Did he change? Did he change Rome? Was Rome forever changed? I think it was. 
I think we love, even still today, I mean, the, the church in its 2,000 years has loved its military conquests. We had the, the Crusades, the Spanish Inquisition. We, we got the politic, yeah, that word, politicization, I need more water, uh, of, of the church, of the Roman Catholic Church, how politicized it became in medieval times. We see in our history missions where there were forced conversions, where, where people were forced to convert to Christ or experience death. We have in our country's history manifest destiny where we said, sorry, your, your skin color just doesn't, doesn't match mine. It's my destiny to rule over you and to conquer you and roll on past you. We love our wars. And I come to this conversation, honestly, I mean, I, 20 years Air Force, I, I guarantee you I served faithfully as a warrior. And God said, Rob, what about humility? I had this motto of lead, follower, get that get that, you know, all kinds of words out of my way. That is how I served the military. I, I didn't care about humility. I didn't care about the weak. If you're weak, move. And my entertainment, I'll tell you what. You show me a man showing up on a white stallion with a big old sword, I'm ready for that movie. I don't know if I'm ready for a guy showing up humbly on a donkey. I'm not sure how long I'm going to tune into that. Like, there's just something about me that loves conflict and war and dominance and uh, beat them in the ground. But that's not the kingdom that Christ is offering. Like, this is against my own nature. How about you? Do you see this conflict within yourself? Christ invites you to live for just one kingdom. These two kingdoms, are, they're going to coexist. Rome's not going anywhere real fast, it's still going to be there. There are going to be those who will, will raise the banner of Rome. They're going to coexist, we're told, until the very end. They're going to sit side by side. And so we have this opportunity to live in both of them if we want to, but Christ invites us to just one kingdom. Which one are you going to choose? What does that kingdom's leader look like? They showing up on a white stallion or humbly 
on a donkey, speaking peace. Christ invites you to live for just one kingdom. And some next steps. Evaluate how you want peace, but want to acquire peace through the wrong way. I think of James when he says that the anger of Rob, the anger of man, does not achieve the righteousness of God. The anger of man, I've personalized this, (laughs) Rob, does not achieve the righteousness of God. We want good things. We want right things. We want peace. Rome had their philosophy that happens to war, to domination, to conquering, through belittling. Jesus says... It happens through forgiving people. It happens through loving your enemy. It happens by letting the last be first. If you first be last, be the most important, be the least important. It happens through gentleness. Evaluate how you want peace and how do you want to acquire that peace? Number two, give up fast. One thing during Lent to help you to reflect on Christ's sacrifice. Just make a decision. I'm going to give up this one thing, and that one thing is going to remind me of Christ's sacrifice, and it's going to help me to connect with Christ's sacrifice. Logan has a tendency to give up fast food, and and you may think, well, okay, fast food. He's a single guy. He loves to cook, but when he cooks, man, all the dishes come out. I tell no lies. That man can ruin a kitchen just like that. And so by, not, by giving up fast food, he's reminding himself, he's, he's, he's reflecting. It's a, it's a daily reminder of the ultimate sacrifice that Christ paid. Super simple, super powerful. Give up one thing during Lent to help you reflect on Christ's sacrifice. Number three, pray and reflect on the kingdom that Christ is establishing. Commit to praying three times this next week. Three times daily this next week. Morning, noon, and night. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Three times. Take some time just to contemplate, just to pray, to think about the kingdom. And and what kind of kingdom is it that Christ is trying to establish? And what's your role within that kingdom? Again, if someone asks you to go to one mile, go one mile, go two. Let's not forgive seven times. Let's forgive 70 times seven. When God is generous to somebody, man, let's celebrate that. There's this verse that I pray through on a regular basis. This comes out of Ephesians 4. 
therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. And this is highlighted for me, not for you. This is just a picture straight from my prayer list. With all humility, Rob. Why? Because it's not my, not my nature. My nature is to dominate, to control, to be stronger than you. Be smarter, be faster, something. Outwit you. With all humility, lowliness, and gentleness. With patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. See, Christ offers us peace in a very different way than Rome, than the Caesars. How much of Rome has infiltrated your Christianity? How much have you confused Caesar with your Christ? Let's take some time to contemplate that. What is he calling you to? And those things that you, you're hoping to see resurrected in your life this Lenten season, what measures, what means are you willing to use to achieve that? And do they match the will of your God, the design of your God? And if you still need something to pray about, we as a church, we, we've talked about praying through the mustard seed parable as a way of just asking God, Lord, we are a small plant. How can we become a cedar that can provide shade to our community? And so we're, we're praying for a larger space. We're praying for God's provision in that. And you could be praying with us in that if you want to do that as well. We would sure appreciate that. But again, Christ invites you to live for just one kingdom. Just one. His. It's not mix. Rome's tools in to this kingdom. Let's keep it as Christ intended, as Christ intends, because we know he's purposeful. He sees the end, and he knows what he's creating. He knows what his church is to be. And, and, and his church is beautifully redemptive when we live this out. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a new church in Missoula, Montana. If you're in the Missoula area, we would love to have you join us for worship on a Sunday. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church forward slash give. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a blessed week. We'll catch you on the flip side.